Day 169 as we begin week 25 and we continue through 2nd Kings starting at chapter 10 and then we also dip into 2nd Chronicles and the corresponding stories there. But we begin by reading chapter 10 verse 1 through to chapter 11 verse 16. Since Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria, Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria to the rulers of Jezreel, to the elders, and to the guardians of Ahab's sons, saying, When this letter arrives, since your master's sons are with you, and you have chariots, horses, a fortified city, and weaponry, select the most qualified of your master's sons, set him on his father's throne, and fight for your master's house. However, they were terrified, and reasoned, Look, two kings couldn't stand against him, how can we? So the overseer of the palace, the overseer of the city, the elders and the guardians sent a message to Jehu. We are your servants and we will do whatever you tell us. We will not make anyone king. Do whatever you think is right. Then Jehu wrote them a second letter, saying, If you are on my side and if you will obey me, bring me the heads of your master's son at this time tomorrow at Jezreel. All seventy of the king's sons were being cared for by the city's prominent men. When the letter came to them, they took the king's sons and slaughtered all seventy, put their heads in baskets and sent them to Jehu at Jezreel. When the messenger came and told him, They have brought the heads of the king's sons, the king said, Pile them in two heaps at the entrance of the gate until morning. The next morning when he went out and stood at the gate, he said to all the people, You are innocent. It is I who conspired against my master and killed him. But who struck down all these? Know then that not a word the Lord spoke against the house of Ahab will feel, for the Lord has done what he promised through his servant Elijah. So Jehu killed all who remained of the house of Ahab in Jezreel, all his great men, close friends and priests, leaving him no survivors. Then we skip a couple of verses into verse 15. When he left there he found Jehonadab son of Rechab coming to meet him. He greeted him and then asked, Is your heart one with mine? It is, Jehonadab replied. Jehu said, If it is, give me your hand. So he gave him his hand, and Jehu pulled him up into the chariot with him. Then he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So he let him ride with him in his chariot. When Jehu came to Samaria, he struck down all who remained from the house of Ahab in Samaria, until he had annihilated his house, according to the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. Then Jehu brought all the people together and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu will serve him a lot. Now therefore summon to me all the prophets of Baal, all his servants and all his priests. None must be missing, for I have a great sacrifice for Baal. Whoever is missing will not live. However, Jehu was acting deceptively in order to destroy the servants of Baal. Jehu commanded, Consecrate a solemn assembly for Baal. So they called one. Then Jehu sent messengers throughout all Israel, and the servants of Baal came. There was not a man left who did not come. They entered the temple of Baal, and it was filled from one end to the other. Then he said to the custodian of the wardrobe, Bring out the garments for all the servants of Baal. So he brought out their garments. Then Jehu and Jehonadab, son of Rechab, entered the temple of Baal, and Jehu said to the servants of Baal, Look carefully to see that there are no servants of the Lord here among you, only servants of Baal. Then they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. 
Now Jehu had stationed eighty men outside, and he warned them, Whoever allows any of the men I am delivering into your hands to escape will forfeit his life for theirs. When he finished offering the burnt offering, Jehu said to the guards and officers, Go in and kill them, don't let anyone out. So they struck them down with the sword. Then the guards and officers threw the bodies out and went into the inner room of the temple of Baal. They brought out the pillars of the temple of Baal and burned them and tore down the pillar of Baal. Then they tore down the temple of Baal and made it a latrine, which it is to this day. Jehu eliminated Baal worship from Israel, but he did not turn away from the sins that Jeroboam son of Nebat had caused Israel to commit, worshipping the golden calves that were in Bethel and Dan. Nevertheless the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my sight, and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, four generations of your sons will sit on the throne of Israel. Yet Jehu was not careful to follow with all his heart the law of the Lord God of Israel. He did not turn from his sins that Jeroboam had called Israel to commit. In those days the Lord began to reduce the size of Israel. Hazael defeated the Israelites throughout their territory, from the Jordan eastward all the land of Gilead, the Gadites, the Reubenites and the Manassites, from Aror which is by the Arnon Valley through Gilead to Bashan. And then we go into Second Kings chapter 11 verse 4 to 16. Then in the seventh year Jehoiada sent messengers and brought in the commanders of hundreds, the Karites and the guards. He had them come in to him in the Lord's temple where he made a covenant with them and put them under oath. He showed them the king's son and commanded them, This is what you are to do. One third of you who come on duty on the Sabbath are to provide protection for the king's palace. A third are to be at the Sir Gate, and a third at the gate behind the guards. You are to take turns providing protection for the palace. Your two divisions that go off duty on the Sabbath are to provide protection for the Lord's temple. You must completely surround the king with weapons in hand. Anyone who approaches the ranks is to be put to death. You must be with the king in all his daily tasks. So the commanders of hundreds did everything Jehoiada the priest commanded. They each brought their men, those coming on duty on the Sabbath and those going off duty, and went to Jehoiada the priest. The priest gave to the commanders of hundreds King David's spears and shields that were in the Lord's temple. Then the guards stood with their weapons in hand surrounding the king, from the right side of the temple to the left side, by the altar and by the temple. He brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, gave him the testimony, and made him king. They anointed him and clapped their hands and cried, Long live the king! When Athaliah heard the noise from the guard and the crowd, she went out to the people at the Lord's temple. As she looked, there was the king standing by the pillar according to the custom. The commanders and the trumpeters were by the king, and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. Athaliah tore her clothes and screamed, Treason! Treason! Then Jehoiada the priest ordered the commanders of hundreds in charge of the army, Take her out between the ranks and put anyone who follows her to death by the sword. For the priest had said, She is not to be put to death in the Lord's temple. So they arrested her and she went out by the way of the horse's entrance to the king's palace, where she was put to death. Then we read Second Chronicles chapter 23 verse 1. To chapter 24, verse 2. Then in the seventh year Jehoiada summoned his courage and took the commanders of hundreds into a covenant with him. Azariah son of Jehoram, Ishmael son of Jehoahanan, Azariah son of Obed, 
Masai, son of Adai, and Elisaphat, son of Zikri, they made a circuit throughout Judah. They gathered the Levites from all the cities of Judah and the heads of the families of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. Then the whole assembly made a covenant with the king in God's temple. Jehoiada said to them, Here is the king's son. He must reign just as the Lord promised concerning David's sons. This is what you are to do. One third of you priests and Levites who are coming on duty on the Sabbath are to be gatekeepers. A third are to be at the king's palace and a third are to be at the foundation gate and all the troops will be in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. No one is to enter the Lord's temple but the priests and those Levites who serve. They may enter because they are holy, but all the people are to obey the requirement of the Lord. You must completely surround the king with weapons in hand. Anyone who enters the temple is to be put to death. You must be with the king in all his daily tasks. So the commanders of hundreds did everything Jehoiada the priest commanded. They each brought their men, those coming on duty on the Sabbath and those going off duty on the Sabbath. For Jehoiada the priest did not release the divisions. Jehoiada the priest gave to the commanders of hundreds King David's spears, shields and quivers that were in God's temple. Then he stationed all the troops with their weapons in hand surrounding the king, from the right side of the temple to the left side, by the altar and by the temple. They brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, gave him the testimony and made him king. Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and cried, Long live the king! When Athaliah heard the noise coming from the troops, the guards and those praising the king, she went to the troops in the Lord's temple. As she looked, there was the king standing by his pillar at the entrance. The commanders and the trumpeters were by the king, and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets while the singers with musical instruments were leading the praise. Athaliah tore her clothes and screamed, Treason! Treason! Then Jehoiada the priest sent out the commanders of hundreds, those in charge of the army, saying, Take her out between the ranks and put anyone who follows her to death by the sword. For the priest had said, Don't put her to death in the Lord's temple. So they arrested her and she went by the entrance of the horse's gate to the king's palace, where they put her to death. Joash was seven years old when he became king. He reigned forty years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah. She was from Beersheba. Throughout the time of Jehoahadah the priest, Joash did what was right in the Lord's sight. And we read Second Kings chapter 11 verse 21. Joash was seven years old when he became king. And Second Kings chapter 12 verse 1 to 3 to finish today. In the seventh year of Jehu, Joash became king. He reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah, who was from Beersheba. Throughout the time Jehoiada the priest instructed him, Joash did what was right in the Lord's sight. Yet the high places were not taken away. The people continued sacrificing and burning incense on the high places. And there we end, day 169. We continue the story on day 170, as we read from... Second Kings, there's a lot of different verses, but Second Kings 10, verse 34 to 36 to start today. Now the rest of the events of Jehu's reign, along with all his accomplishments and all his might, are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. Jehu rested with his fathers and he was buried in Samaria. His son Jehoahaz became king in his place. The length of Jehu's reign over Israel in Samaria was 28 years. Then we read chapter 11, verse 17 to 20. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord, the king, and the people, 
that they would be the Lord's people and another one between the king and the people. So all the people of the land went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They broke its altars and images into pieces and they killed Matan, the priest of Baal, at the altars. Then Jehoiada the priest appointed guards for the Lord's temple. He took with him the commanders of hundreds, the Karites, the guards, and all the people of the land, and they brought the king from the Lord's temple. They entered the king's palace by way of the guards' gate. Then Joash sat on the throne of the kings. All the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet, for they had put Athaliah to death by the sword in the king's palace. Then chapter 12, verse 4 to 16. Then Joash said to the priests, All the dedicated money brought to the Lord's temple, census money, money from vows, and all money voluntarily given for the Lord's temple. Each priest is to take from his assessor and repair whatever damage to the temple is found. But by the twenty-third year of the reign of King Joash, the priests had not repaired the damage to the temple. So King Joash called Jehoiada the priest and the other priests and said, Why haven't you repaired the temple's damage? Since you haven't, don't take any money from your assessors. Instead, hand it over for the repair of the temple. So the priests agreed they would not take the money from the people and they would not repair the temple's damage. Then Jehoiada the priest took a chest, bore a hole in its lid and set it beside the altar on the right side as one enters the Lord's temple. In it the priests who guarded the threshold put all the money brought into the Lord's temple. Whenever they saw there was a large amount of money in the chest, the king's secretary and the high priest would go out to the Lord's temple and count the money found there and tie it up in bags. Then they would put the counted money into the hands of those doing the work, those who oversaw the Lord's temple. They in turn would pay it out to those working on the Lord's temple, the carpenters, the builders, the masons and the stonemasons, and would use it to buy timber and quarried stone to repair the damage to the Lord's temple, and for all spending for temple repairs. However, no silver bowls, wick trimmers, sprinkling basins, trumpets, or any articles of gold or silver were made for the Lord's temple from the money brought into the temple. Instead, it was given to those doing the work, and they repaired the Lord's temple with it. No accounting was required from the men who received the money to pay those doing the work, since they worked with integrity. The money from the restitution offering and the sin offering was not brought to the Lord's temple since it belonged to the priests. And then we read chapter 13, verse 1 to 7, and verse 22. In the twenty-third year of Judah's king Joah, son of Ahaziah, Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, became king over Israel in Samaria. He reigned seventeen years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight and followed the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them. So the Lord's anger burdened against Israel, and he surrendered them to the power of Hazael, king of Aram, and his son Ben-Hadad during their reigns. Then Jehoahaz sought the Lord's favour, and the Lord heard him, for he saw the oppression the king of Aram inflicted on Israel. Therefore the Lord gave Israel a deliverer, and they escaped from the power of the Arameans. Then the people of Israel dwelt in their tents as before, but they didn't turn away from their sins that the house of Jeroboam had caused Israel to commit. Jehoahaz walked in them, and the Asherah pole also remained standing in Samaria. Jehoahaz did not have an army left except for fifty horsemen, ten chariots, and ten thousand foot soldiers, because the king of Aram had destroyed them, making them like dust at threshing. Then we read the same in Second Chronicles, beginning at chapter 23, verse 16 to 21. 
Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself, the king, and the people, that they would be the Lord's people. So all the people went down to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They broke its altars and images into pieces and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, at the altars. Then Jehoiada put the oversight of the Lord's temple into the hands of the Levitical priests, whom David had appointed over the Lord's temple, to offer burnt offerings to the Lord as it is written in the law of Moses, with rejoicing and songs ordained by David. He stationed gatekeepers at the gates of the Lord's temple, so that nothing unclean could enter for any reason. Then he took with him the commanders of hundreds, the nobles, the governors of the people, and all the people of the land, and brought the king down from the Lord's temple. They entered the king's palace through the upper gate and seated the king on the throne of the kingdom. All the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet, for they had put Athaliah to death by the sword. And then chapter 24, verse 3, 3 to 14. Jehoiada acquired two wives for him, and he was the father of sons and daughters. Afterwards, Joash took it to heart to renovate the Lord's temple. So he gathered the priests and Levites and said, Go out to the cities of Judah and collect money from all Israel to repair the temple of your God as needed year by year, and do it quickly. However, the Levites did not hurry. So the king called Jehoiada the high priest and said, why haven't you required the Levites to bring from Judah and Jerusalem the tax imposed by the Lord's servant Moses and the assembly of Israel for the tent of the testimony? For the sons of that wicked Athaliah broke into the Lord's temple and even used the sacred things of the Lord's temple for the Baals. At the king's command a chest was made and placed outside the gate of the Lord's temple. Then a proclamation was issued in Judah and Jerusalem that the tax God's servant Moses imposed on Israel in the wilderness be brought to the Lord. All the leaders and all the people rejoiced, brought the tax and put it in the chest until it was full. Whenever the chest was brought by the Levites to the king's overseers, and when they saw that there was a large amount of money, the king's secretary and the high priest's deputy came and emptied the chest, picked it up and returned it to its place. They did this daily and gathered the money in abundance. Then the king and Jehoiada gave it to those in charge of the labour in the Lord's temple, who were hiring masons and carpenters to renovate the Lord's temple, also blacksmiths and coppersmiths to repair the Lord's temple. The workmen did their work and through them the repairs progressed. They restored God's temple to its specifications and reinforced it. When they finished, they presented the rest of the money to the king and Jehoiada, who made articles for the Lord's temple with it, articles for ministry and for making burnt offerings, and ladles and articles of gold and silver. They regularly offered burnt offerings in the Lord's temple throughout Jehoiada's life. Then we begin the book of Joel, and we read from chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 20 to finish today. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethel, Hear this, you elders, listen, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell your children about it, and let your children tell their children and their children the next generation. What the devouring locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust has left, the young locust has eaten. And what the young locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you wine-drinkers, because of the sweet wine, for it has been taken from your mouth. For a nation has invaded my land, powerful and without number. Its teeth are like the teeth of a lion, and it has fangs of a lioness. 
It has devastated my grapevine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off its bark and thrown it away. Its branches have turned white. Grieve like a young woman dressed in sackcloth, mourning for the husband of her youth. Grain and drink offerings have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests who are ministers of the Lord mourn. The fields are destroyed, the land grieves, indeed the grain is destroyed, the new wine is dried up, and the olive oil fails. Be ashamed, you farmers, wail, you vine dressers, over the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The grapevine is dried up, and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the date palm, and the apple, all the trees of the orchard have withered. Indeed, human joy has dried up. Dress in sackcloth and lament, you priests. Wheel, you ministers of the altar. Come and spend the night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God, because grain and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Announce a sacred fast, proclaim an assembly. Gather the elders and all the residents of the land at the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Woe because of that day, for the day of the Lord is near and will come as devastation from the Almighty. Hasn't the food been cut off before your eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seeds lie shriveled in their casings, the storehouses are in ruin, and the granaries are broken down because the grain has withered away. How the animals groan, the herds of cattle wander in confusion since they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep suffer punishment. I call to you, Lord, for fire has consumed the pastures of the wilderness, and flames have devoured all the trees of the countryside. Even the wild animals cry out to you, for the river beds are dried up and fire has consumed the pastures of the wilderness. And there we end, day 170. Day 171, and we continue through Joel, reading from chapter 2, verse 1, through to chapter 3, verse 21. Blow the horn in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the residents of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. In fact, it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and dense overcast, like the dawn spreading over the mountains. A great and strong people appear, such as never existed in ages past, and never will again in all the generations to come. A fire destroys in front of them, and behind them a flame devours. The land in front of them is like the Garden of Eden, but behind them it is like a desert wasteland, there is no escape from them. Their appearance is like that of horses, and they gallop like war horses. They bound on the tops of the mountains, their sound is like the sound of chariots, like the sound of fiery flames consuming stubble, like a mighty army deployed for war. Nations writhe in horror before them, all faces turn pale. They attack as warriors attack, they scale walls as men of war do. Each goes on his own path, and they do not change their course. They do not push each other, each man proceeds on his own path. They dodge the missiles, never stopping. They storm the city, they run on the wall, they climb onto the houses, they enter through the windows like thieves. The earth quakes before them, the sky shakes. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars cease their shining. The Lord raises his voice in the presence of his army. His camp is very large, those who carry out his command are powerful. Indeed, the day of the Lord is terrible and dreadful. Who can endure it? Even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God. 
For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. Who knows he may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, so you can offer grain and wine to the Lord your God. Blow the horn in Zion, announce a sacred fast, proclaim an assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his bedroom, and the bride her honeymoon chamber. Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, Have pity on your people, Lord, and do not make your inheritance a disgrace, an object of scorn among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and spared his people. The Lord answered his people, Look, I am about to send you grain, new wine, and olive oil. You will be satiated with them, and I will no longer make you a disgrace among the nations. I will drive the northerner far from you and banish him to a dry and desolate land, his front ranks into the Dead Sea and his rear guard into the Mediterranean Sea. His stench will rise, yes, his rotten smell will rise, for he has done catastrophic things. Don't be afraid, land. Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. Don't be afraid, wild animals, for the wilderness pastures have turned green, and trees bear their fruit, and the fig tree and grapevine yield their riches. Children of Zion, rejoice and be glad in the Lord your God, because he gives you the autumn rain for your vindication. He sends showers for you between autumn and spring rain as before. The threshing floors will be full of grain, and the vats will overflow with new wine and olive oil. I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust ate the young locust, the destroying locust, and the devouring locust, my great army that I sent against you. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. You will praise the name of Yahweh your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. My people will never again be put to shame. You will know that I am present in Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people will never again be put to shame. After this I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. I will display wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood, fire and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awe-inspiring day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls in the name of Yahweh will be saved, for there will be an escape for those in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, as the Lord promised, among the survivors the Lord calls. Yes, in those days and at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and take them to the valley of Jehoshaphat. I will enter into judgment with them there because of my people, my inheritance Israel. The nations have scattered the Israelites in foreign countries and divided up my land. They cast lots for my people. They bartered a boy for a prostitute and sold a girl for wine to drink. And also Tyre, Sidon and all the territories of Philistia. What are you to me? Are you paying me back or trying to get even with me? I will quickly bring retribution on your heads. For you took my silver and gold and carried my finest treasures to your temples. You sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks to remove them far from their own territory. Look, I am about to rouse them up from the place where you sold them. I will bring retribution on your heads. 
I will sell your sons and daughters into the hands of people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, to a distant nation, for the Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations, prepare for holy war. Rouse the warriors, let all the men of war advance and attack. Hammer your plowshares into swords and your pruning knives into spears. Let even the weaklings say, I am a warrior. Come quickly, all you surrounding nations, gather yourselves. Bring down your warriors there, Lord. Let the nations be roused and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit down to judge all the surrounding nations. Swing the sickle, because the harvest is ripe. Come and trample the grapes, because the winepress is full. The wine vats overflow, because the wickedness of the nations is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will grow dark, and the stars will cease their shining. The Lord will roar from Zion and raise his voice from Jerusalem. Heaven and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the Israelites. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy and foreigners will never again overrun it. In that day the mountains will drip with sweet wine and the hills will flow with milk. All the streams of Judah will flow with water, and a spring will issue from the Lord's house watering the valley of Achaia's. Egypt will become desolate, and Edom a desert wasteland, because of the violence done to the people of Judah, in whose land they shed innocent blood. But Judah will be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation. I will pardon their blood guilt, which I have not pardoned, for the Lord dwells in Zion." And then we read Second Chronicles chapter 24, verse 15 to 27. Jehoiada died when he was old and full of days. He was 130 years old at his death. He was buried in the city of David with the kings because he had done what was good in Israel with respect to God and his temple. However, after Jehoiada died, the rulers of Judah came and paid homage to the king. Then the king listened to them and they abandoned the temple of the Lord God of their ancestors and served the Asherah poles and the idols. So there was wrath against Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt of theirs. Nevertheless he sent them prophets to bring them back to the Lord. They admonished them, but they would not listen. The Spirit of God took control of Zechariah, son of Jehoiada the priest. He stood above the people and said to them, This is what God says. Why are you transgressing the Lord's commands and you do not prosper? Because you have abandoned the Lord, he has abandoned you. But they conspired against him and stoned him at the king's command in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. King Joash didn't remember the kindness that Zechariah's father Jehoiada had extended to him but killed his son. While he was dying, he said, May the Lord see and demand an account. At the turn of the year, an Aramean army went to war against Joash. They entered Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the leaders of the people among them and sent all the plunder to the king of Damascus. Although the Aramean army came with only a few men, the Lord handed over a vast army to them because the people of Judah had abandoned the Lord God of their ancestors. So they executed judgment on Joash. When the Aramean saw that Joash had many wounds, they left him. His servants conspired against him and killed him on his bed, because he had shed the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest. So he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. Those who conspired against him were Zabad, son of the Ammonite woman Shimeath, and Jehoazadab, 
son of the Moabite woman Simrath, concerning his sons the many oracles about him, and the restoration of the Lord's temple, they are recorded in the writing of the book of the kings. His son Amaziah became king in his place. Then we read Second Kings chapter 12, verse 17 to 21. At that time Hazael king of Aram marched up and fought against Gath and captured it. Then he planned to attack Jerusalem. So King Joash of Judah took all the consecrated items that his ancestors, Judah's kings Jehoshaphat, Jehoram and Ahaziah, had consecrated, along with his own consecrated items and all the gold found in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and in the king's palace, and sent them to Hazael king of Aram. Then Hazael withdrew from Jerusalem. The rest of Joash's events and his reign along with all his accomplishments are written about in the historical record of Judah's kings. Joash's servants conspired against him and killed him at Beth Milo, on the road that goes down to Silla. His servants Jehozabad son of Shimeath and Jehozadab son of Shomer struck him down and he died. Then they buried him with his fathers in the city of David, and his son Amaziah became king in his place. Then we read Second Kings chapter 13 verse 8 to 11 to finish today. The rest of the events of Jehoahaz's reign along with all his accomplishments and his might, are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. Jehoahaz rested with his fathers and he was buried in Samaria. His son Jehoash became king in his place. In the 37th year of Judah's king Joash, Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, became king over Israel in Samaria. He reigned 16 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He did not turn away from all the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to commit but he walked in them. And there we end, day 171. Day 172, and we continue through Second Kings and Chronicles, and we begin today by reading Second Kings chapter 13, verse 14, to chapter 14, verse 7. When Elisha became sick with the illness that he died from, Jehoash king of Israel went down and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha responded, Take a bow and arrows. So he got a bow and arrows. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So the king put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Elisha said, Open the east window. So he opened it. Elisha said, Shoot. So he shot. Then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory, yes, the arrow of victory over Aram. You are to strike down the Aramans in Aphek until you have put an end to them. And Elisha said, Take the arrows. So he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times, then you would have struck down Aram until you had put an end to him. But now you will only strike down Aram three times. Then Elisha died and was buried. Now marauding bands of Moabites used to come into the land in the spring of the year. Once as the Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a marauding band, so they threw the man into Elisha's tomb. When he touched Elisha's bones, the man revived and stood up. Hazael king of Aram oppressed Israel throughout the reign of Jehoahaz. But the Lord was gracious to them and had compassion on them and turned toward them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He was not willing to destroy them, even now he has not banished them from his presence. 
King Hazael of Aram died, and his son Ben-Hadad became king in his place. Then Jehoash son of Jehoahaz took back from Ben-Hadad son of Hazael the cities that Hazael had taken in war from Jehoash's father Jehoahaz. Jehoash defeated Ben-Hadad three times and recovered the cities of Israel. In the second year of Israel's king Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, Amaziah son of Joash became king of Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan and was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, but not like his ancestor David. He did everything his father Joash had done. Yet the high places were not taken away, and the people continued sacrificing and burning incense on the high places. As soon as the kingdom was firmly in his grasp, Amaziah killed his servants who had murdered his father the king. However, he did not put the children of the murderers to death. As it is written in the book of the law of Moses where the Lord commanded, Fathers must not be put to death because of children, and children must not be put to death because of fathers. Instead, each one will be put to death for his own sin. Amaziah killed ten thousand Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He took Salah in battle and called it Jokith, which is its name to this very day. Then we read Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 1 to chapter 26, verse 5. Amaziah became king when he was 25 years old. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoiada, and she was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, but not completely. As soon as the kingdom was firmly in his grasp, he executed his servants who had murdered his father the king. However, he did not put their children to death, because, as it is written in the law in the book of Moses where the Lord commanded, Fathers must not die because of children, and children must not die because of fathers, but each one must die for his own sin. Then Amaziah gathered Judah and assembled them according to patriarchal family, according to commanders of thousands and according to commanders of hundreds. He numbered those twenty years old or more for all Judah and Benjamin. He found there to be three hundred thousand choice men who could serve in the army, bearing spear and shield. Then for seven thousand five hundred pounds of silver he hired one hundred thousand brave warriors from Israel. However, a man of God came to him and said, King, do not let Israel's army go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, all the Ephraimites. But if you go with them, do it. Be strong for battle. But God will make you stumble before the enemy, for God has the power to help or to make one stumble. Then Amaziah said to the man of God, What should I do about the seven thousand five hundred pounds of silver I gave to Israel's division? The man of God replied, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. So Amaziah released the division that came to him from Ephraim to go home. But they got very angry with Judah and returned home in a fierce rage. Amaziah strengthened his position and led his people to the Valley of Salt. He struck down 10,000 Seerites and the Judahites captured 10,000 alive. They took them to the top of a cliff where they threw them off and all of them were dashed to pieces. As for the men of the division that Amaziah sent back, so they would not go with him into battle, they raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to Beth Horon, struck down 3,000 of their people and took a great deal of plunder. After Amaziah came from the attack on the Edomites, he brought the gods of the Seerites and set them up as his gods. He worshipped before them and burned incense to them. 
So the Lord's anger was against Amaziah, and he sent a prophet to him who said, Why have you sought a people's gods that could not deliver their own people from your hand? While he was still speaking to him, the king asked, Have we made you the king's counsellor? Stop, why should you lose your life? So the prophet stopped, but he said, I know that God intends to destroy you because you have done this and have not listened to my advice. King Amaziah of Judah took counsel and sent word to Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us meet face to face. King Jehoash of Israel sent word to King Amaziah of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent a message to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as a wife. Then a wild animal that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. You have said, Look, I have defeated Edom, and you have become overconfident that you will get glory. Now stay at home. Why stir up such trouble so that you fall on Judah with you? But Amaziah would not listen, for this turn of events was from God in order to hand them over to their enemies, because they went after the gods of Edom. So King Jehoash of Israel advanced. He and King Amaziah of Judah faced off at Beth Shemesh in Judah. Judah was routed before Israel, and each fled to his own tent. King Jehoash of Israel captured Judah's King Amaziah, son of Joash, son of Jehoahaz, at Beth Shemesh. Then Jehoash took him to Jerusalem and broke down two hundred yards of Jerusalem's wall, from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. He took all the gold, silver, all the utensils that were found with the Bedadom in God's temple, the treasures of the king's palace and the hostages. Then he returned to Samaria. Judah's king Amaziah, son of Joash, lived fifteen years after the death of Israel's king Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz. All the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was sixteen years old, and made him king in place of his father Amaziah. Uzziah was sixteen years old when he became king. He reigned fifty-two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecholai. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God throughout the lifetime of Zechariah, the teacher of the fear of God. During the time that he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Then we read a number of portions of Second Kings, firstly from chapter 13, verse 12 to 13. The rest of the events of Jehoash's reign, along with all his accomplishments and the power he had to wage war against Judah's king Amaziah, are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. Jehoash rested with his fathers, and Jeroboam sat on his throne. Jehoash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. And then from Second Kings chapter 14, verse 8 to 17. Amaziah then sent messengers to Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us meet face to face. King Jehoash of Israel sent word to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, the thistle that was in Lebanon once sent a message to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as a wife. Then a wild animal that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. You have indeed defeated Edom, and you have become overconfident. Enjoy your glory and stay at home. Why should you stir up such trouble that you fall, you and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not listen, so King Jehoash of Israel advanced. He and King Amaziah of Judah faced off at Beth Shemesh that belongs to Judah. Judah was routed before Israel, and Judah's men fled, each to his own tent. 
King Jehoash of Israel captured Judah's King Amaziah, son of Joash, son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh. Then Jehoash went to Jerusalem and broke down 200 yards of Jerusalem's wall from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. He took all the gold and silver and all the utensils found in the Lord's temple and in the treasuries of the king's palace and the hostages. Then he returned to Samaria. The rest of the events of Jehoash's reign along with his accomplishments, his might, and how he waged war against Amaziah king of Judah are written about in the historical record of Israel's kings. Jehoash rested with his fathers and he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. His son Jeroboam became king in his place. Judah's king Amaziah son of Joash lived fifteen years after the death of Israel's king Jehoash son of Jehoahaz. And then we read Second Kings chapter 15 verse 2 to finish today. He was sixteen years old when he became king. He reigned fifty-two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecolia. She was from Jerusalem. And there we end. Day 172. Day 173, and there's a, a lot of collections again. We go through Second Kings and Second Chronicles, but we also go into Amos and Hosea today. But we begin by reading... Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 26 to 28. The rest of the events of Amaziah's reign from beginning to end are written about in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. From the time Amaziah turned from following the Lord, a conspiracy was formed against him in Jerusalem and he fled to Lashish. However, men were sent after him to Lashish and they put him to death there. They carried him back on horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. And then chapter 26, verse 2. He rebuilt Eloth and restored it to Judah after Amaziah the king rested with his fathers. And Second Kings chapter 14, verse 18 to chapter 15, verse 4. The rest of the events of Amaziah's reign are written about in the historical record of Judah's kings. A conspiracy was formed against him in Jerusalem and he fled to Lashish. However, men were sent after him to Lashish, and they put him to death there. They carried him back on horses, and he was buried in Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. Then all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was sixteen years old, and made him king in place of his father Amaziah. He rebuilt Elath and restored it to Judah, after Amaziah the king rested with his fathers. In the fifteenth year of Judah's king Amaziah, son of Joash, Jeroboam, son of Joash, Jehoash, became king of Israel in Samaria. He reigned forty-one years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He did not turn away from all the sins Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to commit. It was he who restored Israel's border from Lebo Hamath, as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word the Lord, the God of Israel, had spoken through his servant, the prophet Jonah, son of Amittai, from gath Hefer. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel and was very bitter. There was no one to help Israel, neither bond nor free. However, the Lord had not said he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. So he delivered them by the hand of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash. In the twenty-seventh year of Israel's king Jeroboam, Azariah, son of Amaziah, became king of Judah. Azariah did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. Yet the high places were not taken away. The people continued sacrificing and burning incense in the high places. And then Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 6 to 15. 
Uzziah went out to wage war against the Philistines, and he tore down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabne, and the wall of Ashdod. Then he built cities in the vicinity of Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, the Arabs that live in Gurbal and the Meuites. The Ammonites gave Uzziah tribute money, and his fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for God made him very powerful. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, the valley gate and the corner buttress, and he fortified them. Since he had many cattle both in the lowlands and the plain, he built towers in the desert and dug many wells. And since he was a lover of the soil, he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and in the fertile lands. Uzziah had an army equipped for combat that went out to war by division, according to their assignments, as recorded by Jael, the court secretary, and Masai, the officer under the authority of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The total number of heads of families was 2,600 brave warriors. Under their authority was an army of 307,500 equipped for combat, a powerful force to help the king against the enemy. Uzziah provided the entire army with shields, spears, helmets, armour, bows and slingstones. He made skillfully designed devices in Jerusalem to shoot arrows and catapult large stones for use in the towers and on the corners. So his fame spread even to distant places, for he was marvellously helped until he became strong. Then we read Amos chapter 9 verse 11 to 15. In that day I will restore the fallen booth of David, I will repair its gaps, restore its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and all the nations that are called by my name. This is the Lord's declaration. He will do this. Hear this, the days are coming, the Lord's declaration, when the ploughman will overtake the reaper, and the one who treads grapes the sower of seed. The mountains will drip with sweet wine, and all the hills will flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. They will rebuild and occupy ruined cities, plant vineyards and drink their wine, make gardens and eat their produce. I will plant them on their land, and they will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them. Yahweh your God has spoken. Then we read Hosea chapter 1 verse 1 through to chapter 3 verse 5. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea son of Beri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said this to him, Go and marry a promiscuous wife and have children of promiscuity, for the whole land has been promiscuous by abandoning the Lord. So he went and married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu, and put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and gave birth to a daughter, and the Lord said to him, Name her no compassion, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel. I will certainly take them away, but I will have compassion on the house of Judah, and I will deliver them by the Lord their God. I will not deliver them by bows, sword, or war, or by horses and cavalry. After Gomer had weaned no compassion, she conceived and gave birth to a son. Then the Lord said, Name him not my people, 
for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the Israelites will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. And in the place where they were told, You are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. And the Judeans and the Israelites will be gathered together. They will appoint for themselves a single ruler and go up from the land. For the day of Jezreel will be great. Call your brothers my people and your sisters compassion. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. Let her remove the promiscuous look from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. Otherwise I will strip her naked and expose her as she was in the day of her birth. I will make her like a desert and like a parched land, and I will let her die of thirst. I will have no compassion on her children because they are the children of promiscuity. For their mother is promiscuous, she conceived them and acted shamefully. For she thought, I will go after my lovers, the men who gave me my food and water, my wool and flax, my oil and drink. Therefore this is what I will do. I will block her way with thorns. I will enclose her with a wall so that she cannot find her paths. She will pursue her lovers but not catch them. She will seek them but not find them. Then she will think, I will go back to my former husband, for then it was better for me than now. She does not recognize that it is I who gave her the grain, the new wine and the oil. I lavished silver and gold on her which they used for Baal. Therefore I will take back my grain in its time and my new wine in its season. I will take away my wool and linen which were that took there to cover her nakedness. Now I will expose her shame in the sight of her lovers, and no one will rescue her from my hands. I will put an end to all her celebrations, her feasts, new moons and sabbaths, all her festivals. I will devastate her vines and fig trees. She thinks that these are her wages that her lovers have given her. I will turn them into a thicket, and the wild animals will eat them. And I will punish her for the days of the Baals when she burned incense to them, put on her rings and jewellery and went after her lovers, but forgot me. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore I am going to persuade her, lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her vineyards back to her and make the valley of Achor into a gateway of hope. There she will respond as she did in the days of her youth, as in the day she came out of the land of Egypt. In that day, the Lord's declaration, you will call me my husband and no longer call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth. They will no longer be remembered by their names. On that day I will make a covenant for them with the wild animals, the birds of the sky and the creatures that crawl on the ground. I will shatter bows, sword and weapons of war in the land and will enable the people to rest securely. I will take you to be my wife forever. I will take you to be my wife in righteousness, justice, love and compassion. I will take you to be my wife in faithfulness and you will know the Lord. On that day I will respond the Lord's declaration, I will respond to the sky and it will respond to the earth. The earth will respond to the grain, the new wine and the oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will sow her in the land for myself and I will have compassion on no compassion. I will say to not my people, you are my people, and he will say, you are my God. Then the Lord said to me, go again, show love to a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Just as the Lord loves the Israelites, 
though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for fifteen shekels of silver and five bushels of barley. I said to her, You must live with me many days. Don't be promiscuous or belong to any man, and I will act the same way toward you. For the Israelites must live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or household idols. Afterwards the people of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come with awe to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. And there we end, day 173. Day 174, and we read the whole book of Jonah today, along with parts of the book of Amos. So we begin at Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because their wickedness has confronted me. However, Jonah got up to flee from Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Then the Lord hurled a violent wind in the sea, and such a violent storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we will know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lot singled out Jonah. Then they came to him and said, Tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? He answered them, I am a Hebrew. I worship Yahweh, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you to calm this sea that's against us? For the sea was getting worse. He answered them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so it may quiet down for you, for I know that I am to blame for this violent storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, Please, Yahweh, don't let us perish because of this man's life and don't charge us with innocent blood, for you, Yahweh, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Then the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me, but I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to the neck, the watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains, the earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, 
My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love, but as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach the message that I will tell you. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely large city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In forty days Nineveh will be overthrown. The men of Nineveh believed in God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no man or beast, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from the violence he is doing. Who knows, God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. Then God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster he had threatened to do to them, and he did not do it. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to become angry, rich in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and sat down east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up to provide shade over Jonah's head to ease his discomfort. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, he replied, it is right. I am angry enough to die. So the Lord said, You cared about the plant which you did not labour over and did not grow. It appeared in the night and perished in the night. Should I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than a 120,000 people, who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals? And there the book of Jonah ends, and we begin Amos chapter 1 verse 1 through to chapter 3 verse 15. The words of Amos, who was one of the sheep breeders from Tekoa, what he saw regarding Israel in the days of Uzziah king of Judah, and Jeroboam son of Joash king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. He said, The Lord roars from Zion and raises his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn and the summit of Carmel withers. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Damascus, for three crimes, even four, because they threshed Gilead with iron sledges. Therefore I will send fire against Hazael's palace, and it will consume Ben-Hadad's citadels. 
I will break down the gates of Damascus. I will cut off the ruler from the valley of Avon, and the one who wields the scepter from Bethaden. The people of Aram will be exiled to Ker. The Lord has spoken. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Gaza for three crimes, even four, because they exiled a whole community, handing them over to Edom. Therefore I will send fire against the walls of Gaza, and it will consume its citadels. I will cut off the ruler from Ashdod and the one who wields the scepter from Ashkelon. I will also turn my hand against Ekron, and the remainder of the Philistines will perish. The Lord God has spoken. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Tar for three crimes, even four, because they handed over a whole community of exiles to Edom and broke a treaty of brotherhood. Therefore I will send fire against the walls of Tar, and it will consume its citadels. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Edom for three crimes, even four, because he pursued his brother with the sword. He stifled his compassion, his anger tore at them continually, and he harboured his rage incessantly. Therefore I will send fire against Taman, and it will consume the citadels of Bozra. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing the Ammonites for three crimes, even four, because they ripped open the pregnant woman of Gilead in order to enlarge their territory. Therefore I will set fire to the walls of Rabbah, and it will consume its citadels. There will be shouting on the day of battle and a violent wind in the day of the storm. Their king and his princes will go into exile together. The Lord has spoken. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Moab for three crimes, even four, because he burned to lime the bones of the kings of Edom. Therefore I will send fire against Moab, and it will consume the citadels of Kerioth. Moab will die with a tumult, with shouting, and with the sound of the ram's horn. I will cut off the judge from the land and kill all its officials with him. The Lord has spoken. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Judah for three crimes, even four, because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. The lies that their ancestors followed have led them astray. Therefore I will send fire against Judah, and it will consume the citadels of Jerusalem. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Israel for three crimes, even four, because they sell a righteous person for silver and a needy person for a pair of sandals. They trample the heads of the poor on the dust of the ground and block the path of the needy. A man and his father have sexual relations with the same girl profaning my holy name. They stretch out beside every altar on garments taken as collateral, and they drink in the house of their god wine obtained through fines. Yet I destroyed the Amorite as Israel advanced. His height was like the cedars, and he was as sturdy as the oaks. I destroyed his fruit above and his roots beneath. And I brought you from the land of Egypt and led you forty years in the wilderness, in order to possess the land of the Amorite. I raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Is this not the case, Israelites? This is the Lord's declaration. But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets do not prophesy. Look, I am about to crush you in your place as a wagon full of sheaves crushes grain. Escape will fail the swift, the strong one will not prevail by his strength, and the brave will not save his life. The archer will not stand his ground, the one who is swift of foot will not save himself, and the one riding a horse will not save his life. Even the most courageous of the warriors will flee naked on that day. The Lord's Declaration 
Listen to this message that the Lord has spoken against you, Israelites, against the entire clan that I brought from the land of Egypt. I have known only you out of all the clans of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together without agreeing to meet? Does a lion roar in the forest when it has no prey? Does a young lion growl from its lair unless it has captured something? Does a bird land in a trap in the ground if there is no bait for it? Does a trap spring from the ground when it has caught nothing? If a ram's horn is blown in a city, aren't people afraid? If a disaster occurs in a city, hasn't the Lord done it? Indeed, the Lord God does nothing without revealing his counsel to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who will not prophesy? Proclaim on the citadels in Ashdod and on the citadels in the land of Egypt. Assemble on the mountains of Samaria and see the great turmoil in this city and the acts of oppression within it. The people are incapable of doing right. The Lord's declaration those who store up violence and destruction in their citadels. Therefore the Lord God says, An enemy will surround the land, he will destroy your strongholds and plunder your citadels. The Lord says, As the shepherd snatches two legs or a piece of an ear from the lion's mouth, so the Israelites who live in Samaria will be rescued with only the corner of a bed or the cushion of a couch. Listen and testify against the house of Jacob, this is the declaration of the Lord God, the God of hosts. I will punish the altars of Bethel on the day I punish Israel for its crimes. The horns of the altar will be cut off and fall to the ground. I will demolish the winter house and the summer house. The houses inlaid with ivory will be destroyed, and the great houses will come to an end. The Lord's declaration. And there we end, day 174. Day 175, and we read from Amos chapter 4, verse 1, through to chapter 7, verse 17. And so it's just straight through today. Listen to this message, you cows of Bashan, who are on the hill of Samaria, women who oppress the poor and crush the needy, who say to their husbands, Bring us something to drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness... Look, the days are coming when you will be taken away with hooks, every last one of you with fish hooks. You will go through breaches in the wall, each woman straight ahead, and you will be driven along toward Harmon. This is the Lord's declaration. Come to Bethel and rebel, rebel even more at Gilgal. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tenths every three days. Offer leavened bread as a thank offering, and loudly proclaim your free will offerings, for that is what you Israelites love to do. This is the Lord's declaration. I gave you absolutely nothing to eat in all your cities, a shortage of food in all your communities, yet you did not return to me. The Lord's declaration. I also withheld the rain from you while there were still three months until harvest. I sent rain on one city, but no rain on another. One field received rain, while a field with no rain withered. Two or three cities staggered to another city to drink water, but were not satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, the Lord's declaration. I struck you with blight and mildew, the locusts devoured your many gardens and vineyards, your fig trees and olive trees, yet you did not return to me, the Lord's declaration. I sent plagues like those of Egypt, I killed your young men with a sword, along with your captured horses. I caused the stench of your camp to fill your nostrils, yet you did not return to me, the Lord's declaration. 
I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a burning stick snatched from a fire, yet you did not return to me. The Lord's Declaration Therefore, Israel, this is what I will do to you, and since I will do that to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. He is here, the one who forms the mountains, creates the wind, and reveals his thoughts to man, the one who makes the dawn out of darkness and strides in the heights of the earth. Yahweh, the God of hosts, is his name. Listen to this message that I am singing for you, a lament, house of Israel. She has fallen, virgin Israel will never rise again. She lies abandoned on her land with no one to raise her up. For the Lord God says, The city that marches out a thousand strong will have only a hundred left, and the one that marches out a hundred strong will only have ten left in the house of Israel. For the Lord says to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel or go to Gilgal or journey to Beersheba, for Gilgal will certainly go into exile, and Bethel will come to nothing. Seek Yahweh and live, or he will spread like fire throughout the house of Joseph. It will consume everything with no one at Bethel to extinguish it. Those who turn justice into wormwood throw righteousness to the ground. The one who made the Pleiades and Orion, who turns darkness into dawn and darkens day into night, who summons the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the earth, Yahweh is his name. He brings destruction on the strong and it falls on the stronghold. They hate the one who convicts the guilty at the city gate and despise the one who speaks with integrity. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and exact a grain tax from him, you will never live in the houses of cut stone you have built. You will never drink the wine from the lush vineyards you have planted. For I know your crimes are many and your sins innumerable. They oppress the righteous, take a bribe and deprive the poor of justice at the gates. Therefore, the wise person will keep silent at such a time for the days are evil. Seek good and not evil, so that you may live, and the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, as you have claimed. Hate evil and love good, establish justice in the gate. Perhaps the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore Yahweh, the God of hosts, the Lord, says, There will be wailing in all the public squares. They will cry out in anguish in all the streets. The farmer will be called on to mourn, and professional mourners to wail, there will be wailing in all the vineyards, for I will pass among you. The Lord has spoken. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. What will the day of the Lord be for you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be like a man who flees from a lion only to have a bear confront him. He goes home and rests his hand against the wall only to have a snake bite him. Would the day of the Lord be darkness rather than light, even gloom without any brightness in it? I hate, I despise your feasts. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I have no regard for your fellowship offerings of fattened cattle. Take away from me the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfeeling stream. House of Israel, was it sacrifices and grain offerings that you presented to me during the forty years in the wilderness? But you have taken up Sakuth, your king, and Kaiwan, your star god, images you have made for yourselves. So I will send you into exile beyond Damascus. Yahweh, the God of hosts, is his name he has spoken. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion, unto those who feel secure in the hill of Samaria. The notable people in this first of the nations, those the house of Israel comes to. 
cross over to Calne and see, go from there to Great Hamath, then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Is their territory larger than yours? You dismiss any thought of the evil day and bring in a rain of violence. They lie on beds inlaid with ivory, sprawled out on their couches, and dine on lambs from the flock and calves from the stall. They improvise songs to the sound of the harp and invent their own musical instruments like David. They drink wine by the bowlful and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore they will now go into exile as the first of the captives, and the feasting of those who sprawl out will come to an end. The Lord God has sworn by himself the declaration of Yahweh, the God of hosts. I loathe Jacob's pride and hate his citadel, so I will hand over the city and everything in it. And if there are ten men left in one house, they will die. A close relative and a burner will remove his corpse from the house. He will call to someone in the inner recesses of the house, Any more with you? That person will reply, None. Then he will say, Silence, because Yahweh's name must not be invoked. For the Lord commands, The large house will be smashed to pieces and the small house to rubble. Do horses run on rock or does someone ply it with oxen? Yet you have turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood. You rejoice over Lodabar and say, Didn't we capture Harnaim by ourselves, by our own strength? But look, I am raising up a nation against you, house of Israel. This is the declaration of the Lord, the God of hosts, and they will oppress you from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of the Arabah. The Lord God showed me this. He was forming a swarm of locusts at the time the spring crop first began to sprout after the cutting of the king's hay. When the locusts finished eating the vegetation of the land, I said, Lord God, please forgive. How will Jacob survive since he is so small? The Lord relented concerning this. It will not happen, he said. The Lord God showed me this. The Lord God was calling for a judgment by fire. It consumed the great deep and devoured the land. Then I said, Lord God, please stop. How will Jacob survive since he is so small? The Lord relented concerning this. This will not happen either, said the Lord God. He showed me this. The Lord was standing there by a vertical wall with a plumb line in his hand. The Lord asked me, What do you see, Amos? I replied, A plumb line. Then the Lord said, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will no longer spare them. Isaac's high places will be deserted and Israel's sanctuaries will be in ruins. I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam with a sword. Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent word to Jeroboam king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you right here in the house of Israel. The land cannot endure all his words, for Amos has said this, Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will certainly go into exile from its homeland. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Go away, you seer. Flee to the land of Judah, earn your living, and give your prophecies there, but don't ever prophesy at Bethel again, for it is the king's sanctuary and a royal temple. So Amos answered Amaziah, I was not a prophet or the son of a prophet, rather I was a herdsman, and I took care of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock and said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel. Do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore this is what the Lord says. Your wife will be a prostitute in this city. Your sons and daughters will fall by the sword, and your land will be divided up with a measuring line. 
You yourself will die on pagan soil, and Israel will certainly go into exile from its homeland. And there we end day 175 and week 25.